Welcome to the Perimenopausal Mamas Podcast for hormonal mamas who want to reclaim their own natural state of health to thrive and raise healthy kids. I'm Dr. Lisa Weeks, naturopathic doctor in Toronto, Canada. I'm a perimenopausal mama to my toddler named Stuart. And I'm Dr. Tony Reed. I'm a naturopathic doctor, birth doula, and hypnobirthing educator in Calgary, Alberta. And I'm a perimenopausal mama to my little girl, Frankie. The information in this podcast is for educational and entertainment purposes only. It is not meant to substitute professional medical advice. Always consult with your licensed healthcare provider. Welcome back, everyone, to the Perimenopausal Mamas podcast. I'm so excited to have Larissa Maku back again. She was a guest on episode 51. I know we're at about 99 now uh, when we talked about mastering your mindset. And I think this is a timely conversation that we're having today because we're going to talk about how to stop that self-sabotage as a mom. I know there's a lot of mom guilt beating ourselves up for what we're doing or not doing. We're also going to talk about how to put ourselves first, which can be really challenging when you're looking after other people in your life. And then we'll talk about how to set and tap into the vibration that allows for ease, enjoyment, and a beautiful life. Um, so I'm really excited to dive in with Larissa. I'm first going to introduce her. Um, so Larissa McCoo is a master results coach and CEO of the Abundance Academy. She helps motivated entrepreneurial and professional women stop spinning their wheels, overcome anxiety, and banish limiting beliefs so they can free themselves to unapologetically create the life and business they want and love. A major part of Larissa's journey was overcoming a 10-year infertility journey where she did everything recommended by various doctors and healthcare practitioners. Her turning point was making a key mindset shift that led her to a dramatic change in her professional life, successful pregnancy, and son she adores. As the author of the upcoming Stop Procrastinating Your Life Away, Discover the Secrets to More Time, Money, and Freedom, and as the CEO of the Abundance Academy, it's her mission to positively impact more than 1 billion people across the globe and allow the world to be a better place for all. And I know you're on this mission and you're really getting close to that, Larissa, because I've taken part in some of your online programs. I love hearing you speak. It's always so inspiring and gets me to look at things in a totally new light. So I'm excited to dive in. Welcome today. Thank you, Lisa. I'm so happy to be here. Um, I love your podcast. I love you and everything that you do. I think you are incredible for women out there, especially um, in the perimenopausal phase. So thank you for having oh, me. My pleasure. I'm so glad you're here. So let's dive in. So let's talk about self-sabotage. What do you see moms, your clients? What is that self-talk and where is it coming from? Yeah, I think a lot of times, like when, when we're thinking of self-sabotage, it, these, these are things we don't sit down and pre-plan to do. A lot of these things happen by default and not by design. We we have this idea of what we want from our lives and what we expect our lives to be. And often along the journey and somewhere along the way, one thing leads to another, leads to another, leads to another, and things don't go as planned. And sometimes we don't have the tools and the resources to 
help us move forward or to course correct along the way, right? You have this dream life of, uh, you know, uh, a two bedroom, two bathroom house with a white picket fence, double attached garage, and you're just doing everything. Your kids are clean. Life is peachy. You have dinner five days a week and everything is smooth sailing, but that's not really how life ends up. And so we, we start to have these feelings of guilt. We, we want to make, be the best parents we can be. We start putting our kids in activities or perhaps we are having our own challenges and we're, we're not able to have that time for ourselves that we used to have because we're so busy with the day-to-day um, and, and with our children. And so we, we tend as mothers to put ourselves last. We start feeling guilty for the things we're not doing for everybody else and, and for ourselves. And we just get into this negative spin. And it's, it's something, like I said, that happens by default, not by design. It just, you wake up one day and you, you wonder like, where did the last five, 10 years go by? And is anything even going to change? Like you sit there and look at your life and, and wonder what happened. And it doesn't have to be that way. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I went through this a lot in the early stages when I had Stuart, it was self-sabotage and guilt because I wasn't that stay-at-home mom that my mom was to me. And that was my idea of, you know, a, a perfect in air quotes mother who was there for me after right after school and who picked me up to take me out for lunch, my sister and I. I had a lot of guilt around that and I had to do a lot of personal work through therapy and support to recognize, yes, I wasn't doing it the way my mom did it, but I was giving gifts that I could give to Stuart that were unique to me. And he was going to get other positives and good experiences from that. And it didn't have to look like my childhood. No, absolutely. And, and we do have these, these preconceived notions of what we think mothers or parents should be, or how we should perform. I love how you said I wasn't my mother, but I realized over time that I could be a good mother my way. And that, that just starts by giving yourself permission to do that. Definitely. Yeah. It's so strange that we have this idea in our mind and it's not even internal, right? A lot of the times it's like, this is what success is. Success is having the house, having the car, having the six or seven figure salary going on these vacations. We don't really step back when we're younger and say, what does my, what is my dream for myself? Right. How, like we can touch on that too. How do we instill that in our kids or get them to tap into that? Yeah, I think It's a great question, Lisa. And ultimately, kids are a reflection of who we are. Kids are, they are such a projection of not just what we're pretending to exhibit, but I mean, you've got a son, he's about my son's age, I think they're comparable. And those children, they know when you're having a good day, they know when you're having a bad day, and they will reflect what you're projecting, not what you're pretending to project. You can say certain things. However, they just have this beautiful sense of energy. They can tap into your energy. And the best way to share your dream with your children is to literally and and share how share the concept of dreaming with your children is to actually dream yourself, to have dreams, to sit down with your kids and to, to teach them how to dream in their own way, to honor the dreams they do have, because kids in and of themselves, they are, they're geniuses. They are, they have nothing holding them back and they actually do see so much more possibility for life and for the world 
than we do as adults. They, they're in this completely creative zone and anything is possible. And if, if we could actually tap into more of that energy for ourselves as parents, that would ultimately set a better example for our kids before they get into this, um, into like the age where they get jaded, where they're, where they're limited. It's like, Ooh, you can't have that idea because that might not be possible. Oh, don't try too hard because someone might get mad at you. And, and we want to set these examples for our kids by living them ourselves. I love that. Yeah. Living the example. Right. And I've heard you talk about in your program, setting aside, setting aside time to dream, right. Who schedules that in their calendar? But I think you recommend that people do that regularly, right? Yes, absolutely. I think so often as moms, we get so wrapped up in taking care of everyone else that we forget about ourselves. And it doesn't have to take a long time. It, it it can take an hour or two hours a day and it can be five minutes. It can be 30 seconds. There are so many different tools and, and go-tos that you can use that are appropriate for different times and different circumstances. Your job is just to say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to set the best example I can and live the example I want to be for my kids. I'm going to set time aside to dream. I'm going to set time aside to nourish my mind, my body, my soul. So I could show up for myself and I could, I can love myself. I can, I can show up as a mother, as the boss, as the, um, the professional that I want to be as the wife that I want to be as a beautiful person, as a good friend, as a good daughter, and not for everyone else's sake, but for my own. Mm-hmm, definitely. I think that's so important to set aside that time and have that intention. Or like you said, we just drift through life and five, 10 years later, we're like, what? Okay. I have these things, but am I fulfilled? Did I really follow my purpose, my passion? Um, would you mind sharing some of those tools? Like, do you recommend people do a vision board or journaling? And then potentially if there's any tools or activities to do with our kids to foster their dreams? Yeah, I think yes and yes and yes. (laughs) There are so many tools and resources out there. I think um, vision boarding is definitely a beautiful thing that that you can do and that that kids also really do resonate with because it's it's tactile. People see it. Most most people have a very high um, ability to see things. Most of us learn and ingest information through our visual construct and our visual modality. And so as soon as you add that element of sight into the goal, that, that brings it to life for so many of us, and especially for kids, because they can see it. And it allows the mind to go there. The more we can talk about it, right? You want to add sound. So you talk about it. Maybe you add music or you um, create little sayings, little phrases about different elements of your future life or of your dreams. This is where you can incorporate that sense. When you start thinking about how it would taste, how it would smell, what it would feel like emotionally and in your external world, right? So, so really bringing all five senses alive with your dream. And sometimes we do the vision boards and I think that's a great starting point, but how can you bring it alive for yourself and for your kids? It's like, okay, we want, we're going to move into this dream house. Well, what kinds of cookies are we going to bake at this house? Let's bake them now. And let's, let's really make that come alive. So it's like, you're, you're not just, having the dream board, you're really thinking of how you would live the dream board. 
okay, what, what are we going to pack on vacation? We want to go on a vacation to Disneyland. Like, why don't we start preparing our list? Do research for for all these things. And, and I think that's a, a beautiful way to make the visions come alive. It's, it's having that back and forth interaction, obviously, depending on how old your kids are, that, um, that will vary, but yeah, vision boarding is, is certainly a beautiful activity. And like I said, just bringing in all the senses, making it come alive and allowing it to come full circle is huge. I never thought of using the five senses, right? With vision boards, it's typically yeah, like drawing or cutting and pasting. But I love like picking a song, picking a saying, you know, sticking it on sticky notes around the house, playing that song, making the cookies that you'd be enjoying in the new house and really bringing it to life. And I guess that breaks down some of those barriers of seeing ourselves get there, right? Because we're already kind of partway there or starting to visualize it on a daily basis. Yeah. And even, I, I can't remember where I was, I was reading something or I was at a seminar and, and I, I recently heard that the sense of taste is something that the brain actually remembers even more strongly. So if you have a favorable memory, including and incorporating a sense of taste, your neurology will remember that more strongly and have a, a stronger and deeper emotional connection than any of your other senses. And so creating that in a beautiful environment and a beautiful energy and a beautiful spirit. That is so key because then every time you go back and taste those cookies, that will be like, Oh yeah, we're eating these cookies in our new house where we're, we're coming back to that time. It's like grandmas that used to bake cookies. There are certain scents that you might have um, the sense of smell that that is such a powerful scent. Um, And it really brings you right back to that moment. So the smell of those cookies, the taste of those cookies is going to be so, so powerful. And we really underestimate the power of the five senses. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for me, it's like black tea and growing up when my grandma would have us over, you know, of course, then it was loaded with milk and sugar and we'd have cookies. She was from England. So it was, you know, 420 tea time. Well, maybe not 420, that's something else too, but you know, four o'clock tea time. Um, And we would just savor the time together and have that cup of tea. And now that's like the ultimate comfort is a cup of tea. I now have it without the milk and the sugar, but it brings back that calmness, that feeling of, you know, connection and relaxation, but I, you know, I'm more aware of the sense of smell, but I never really thought about it. The sense of taste, having that strong connection too. But yeah, as you mentioned it, I can think of several examples. Mm-hmm. Definitely. So this is also an activity. So like you said, to get our kids involved with, so getting them to kind of draw out visions that they have, you know, Stuart's now at the age where he's like, Oh, I want to be a construction worker. I want to, you know, drive a garbage truck. And I'm like, Oh, that's great. You can do anything you want. So getting him to kind of like draw it out and, um, you know, hopefully not necessarily smell the garbage or construction site smells, but, you know, at his age, things change every day, but, you know, starting to foster um, things that he's showing interest in and setting aside time for him to dream big too, I think is going to be part of our, one of our, you know, weekend uh, fun activities to do. Yeah. It's beautiful. It's so beautiful to be able to incorporate your kids into that because we, when we do take the time to dream ourselves, we do let our minds wander and kids, kids dream all day long. And to be able to have that and connect to parents in that way, we're encouraging them to keep that superpower even longer. This is a superpower kids have is dreaming. 
And by doing it with our kids, we're not only encouraging them to maintain that superpower, we're also rebuilding that, reconnecting to that ourselves as parents. Definitely, definitely. And then looking at getting back to the self-sabotage, I see so many women, you know, they want to start on the, their health journey. They want to start eating well. They want to drink less alcohol. They want to exercise. And many women start the process, right? And sometimes they overcommit. They're like, I'm going to work out every day of the week and I'm going to cut out all sugar. And then if they have a day or two where they fall off track, then they really beat themselves up and they just give everything else up. Like I think, you know, setting the expectation that you don't have to do all of those things at one time and be perfect at it all. But I see this mindset so often. It's like, if I can't stick to it a hundred percent, I'm going to do none of it. Um, do you see that often? And what's a way to work through that? Yeah. The all or nothing is so common in, in so many of us, especially high achievers, right? Lisa, you're a high achiever as so. you are. <laughs> Absolutely. And so we want to give our best. We want to do our best in our own lives, in our businesses, and in everything we do. And it's it's so easy to fall into this trap of all or nothing. However, a lot of that comes from our programming, from our unconscious programming. There is something that there's a decision that we made at some point in our past. And when that is will vary for the individual, but it's it's generally at some point prior to seven years of age. A lot of the decisions that rule our life, a lot of the programs that rule our life, we actually made those decisions before the age of seven based on what we saw from our parents or teachers or those around us, based on things we heard in our environment, based on experiences that we had. And so whatever that moment is for you that led to this decision of potentially all or nothing and that that's been around for a long time. And so this is not something we necessarily think about consciously on a day-to-day basis, but this is the kind of thing that will come up in all aspects of your life at different points in time throughout your life. And until you actually deal with it at the unconscious level, it's going to keep coming up. It's almost like you have to scramble this strategy that you're running. It's like you're taking the same GPS route over and over and over again, And you go on autopilot and you just keep taking the same route over and over and over again. And you take the same route over and over and over again, because there's a comfort to it, even though it might feel uncomfortable. Some of the results might feel uncomfortable. We might be going, why am I even doing this? This is so silly. I know I should do only a little bit, but I have to give it my best, right? There's this conflicting message inside. We, We say we want something, we do something, yet it's not sustainable. And so the reason behind it is, is that unconscious program. And until you scramble the strategy, until you change the GPS route at the unconscious level below the surface, below the way your conscious mind can process, it's going to keep happening. And I think the, the good thing is that you're not responsible for your programming. However, you are responsible for changing it once you recognize it. And sometimes this, this is where we can hold a lot of guilt and beat ourselves up as parents because we see ourselves doing things and not making the changes that we want in a sustainable way. However, when you realize, okay, you know, this is what it is and it is what it is. I didn't create this. I'm going to I'm going to forgive myself for not being perfect, right? Step 1 is like let me just stop and forgive myself for not being perfect. 
And then you can go do something about it. But until you give yourself that moment of breath where you just stop, take a breath and it's like, okay, it is what it is. Let me forgive myself for it and let me make a decision to change it because it's the moments of decision where your destiny is shaped. And when you say, okay, now I know that maybe I didn't consciously make this decision. I I did at one point, but I didn't consciously really want to keep it. It just, it was ticking along in the background. It's like the little dust that collects in the corner of your room. The, The dust bunnies just get a little bigger and bigger until you actually move the sofa and clean in the corners. And we don't clean in the corners very often. Um, and so this is something that you can do and you can take care of when, when you make that decision to do it. You just dropped so many amazing quotes that we're going to have to put in the, in the show notes. So can you mention the programming one again? I've heard you say it before too. We're not responsible for the programming, but we are responsible for changing it. So you're not responsible for your unconscious programming. So you're not responsible for that initial GPS route. That was set by an example that someone gave you or an experience you had, something someone told you, something that you saw, most likely in your childhood, Mm -hmm. most generally prior to seven years of age. And in some cases, even in past lives, this is perhaps beyond the scope of this program, but (laughs) we can, we can get into that if there's time. Um, However, a long, long time ago. And when you're that age, you don't have the ability to differentiate between what's really right. What's really wrong. You're, you're doing the best you can with the information you have. Right? You're in survival mode. You're like, I'm doing the but I want to be accepted. So I'm going to make this decision. I want to have a friend. So I'm going to make this decision. I want my mom to love me. So I'm going to make this decision. And so I make these decisions to, to survive and to thrive at that time. Later, they might not be serving us. But if you think about it at the time, they were the best decisions we could make. Right. And so you cut yourself some slack. Take a breath forgive yourself for not being perfect because, you know, we ultimately, we are perfect. Just some of our choices may not be as elegant as we'd like them to be. Mm -hmm. And then you say, okay, am I going to choose to keep going in this direction? Or am I going to make a choice to make a better one? Am I going to choose a better direction? Do I really want to keep going in this direction? Do I want to keep self-sabotaging? Do I want to keep setting this example for my kids? Do I want to keep going and like keep pursuing this behavior? And if the answer is no, then you can do something about it. That's so empowering because so many people, you know, just chalk it up to this is the way I am. You know, I can't change. And as people get older, that becomes more rigid. But every, I love that you said to every moment of decision is where your destiny is made. You said something to that effect too. Uh-huh. So every decision is a new one. Yeah. You don't have to make the same decision you made yesterday or an hour ago. If you, you know, ate too much or you didn't work out. Okay. Just next time you make a decision, you, you know, make that decision to serve yourself in a healthy way. Yeah, absolutely. It, the, the quote is from Tony Robbins. It's the moments of decision where your destiny is shaped. Mm-hmm. And the cool thing is, is most of the limiting beliefs we have are just decisions we've made at some point. And if we made a decision to have that belief, we can make a decision to have a better one, to make a better one. And that sounds very simple, but that's ultimately what it is. 
Now there's a few steps that you can go through. Like <laughs> this, is what, this is what we work with our clients on. They're like, oh my God, is it that simple? Yes, it's that simple. Um, it might take a little bit of education and knowledge and background to be able to do that. Because yes, at the most fundamental level, belief is a decision. Your job is to make a better one. And sometimes when you're in that negative tailspin or in that cycle of self-sabotage, you just can't see or figure out how to do that. And that's why you, like you said, like I did some inner work through therapy. That's why you would go to people that can help you look at your situation from a different perspective so you can move on. Because often if we're looking, you can't see the forest through the trees. If we're looking at our own lives through the same lens that we've been looking at them through, it's hard to see a new perspective without the proper tools and without the proper training. Mm-hmm. That's where you come in. And I just went through your abundance accelerator and you did a whole you know, session on limiting beliefs and recognizing what those are because people believe those to be true. Right. And it's like, you know, I have to work hard for my money or money doesn't come easily, or I can't spend any money. I have to save everything. Um, Can you talk about how people can identify those uh, limiting beliefs and turn them on their head, if you will? Yeah. So I, I, we did talk in abundance accelerator workshop. We, we did a lot of examples with the idea of money because so often we have these negative beliefs or these limiting beliefs when it comes to money, like money doesn't grow on trees. Money is hard to come by. Why is it so hard for me to earn so much money? Oh, I'm not worth more than X, Y, Z. So we have these beliefs that we adopt from our parents. Um, There's starving children in Africa. So eat all the food on your plate, whether you're hungry or not. That's, that's a, that's a limiting belief because maybe that's not the choice you want to make, but these are all things. These are all examples of programming that have come into our world. And so when you want to change a belief, you want to identify what the opposite belief is. So let's say um, money doesn't grow on trees and it's really hard to come by. Well, well, I want to believe, what would you rather believe, Lisa? Would you rather believe that, you know, money is energy and, I love attracting money to me. It comes to me really easily. And the better mood I'm in, the more easily money flows into my life. I'll take that one. (laughs) Okay. Okay. And so belief is a decision. So you just, you, you just flip it to, you know, I decide that I decide that I attract money easily to me. Love it. Love it. I've added that into my journal, actually recognizing a limiting belief and then, you know, canceling it, if you will, and then switch swapping it and saying, yeah, I decide or just turning it on its head and really feeling that and and trying to take that energy on. So thank you for that. That's a a new addition to my journal that I think is really important to, to work on on a regular basis. Yeah, you're welcome. I mean, that's just an example of one simple tool. And we have so many tools in our toolbox, like the power of imagination with the vision boards and then looking at it through the five senses, rewriting your limiting beliefs and, and shifting them to more proactive decisions. Like those are really simple things we can all do. And the only thing you have to do is just actually make a decision to do it. And I think decision is, I know when we were talking about this episode, you wanted to really make it hands-on and tangible for, for parents. And decision is one of these skills. Decision is a skill that is not taught in school. It is to a very minimal level, but the whole idea of decision 
so many people hesitate to make decisions or like, should I do this? Should I do that? Oh, I don't know what I should do. And decision is one of these things that we can actually learn. It's a skill that you can master. And it's a skill that the sooner you teach your kids, the better off they will be in life. Because when you hesitate making decisions, you're going to just be going in a circle. You're going to, you're going to stall and the faster and the better decisions you can start making. And you can actually practice to make decisions. You can teach your kids to make decisions. Um, the, the more simple life is going to be. It's, it's like, I've decided this boom, boom. I mean, you have a 50, 50 chance of being right. (laughs) If you really think about it, that's a pretty good odds. So, and, and if you make a decision, that's not working, you change it. And so often we're so attached to the decisions we make and we think we can't change them. But the thing is the most successful people in the world make decisions quickly and change them slowly, if at all. This is something that Napoleon Hill studied in Think and Grow Rich. And he was actually commissioned by Andrew Carnegie to interview 500 of the world's wealthiest individuals way back in the 1920s before social media became a thing and everyone shared all their knowledge. And so he got to intimately study these successful people from all over the world. And it took him 20 years to do this research. So it's not like he just had a five minute conversation. Like he traveled, he really got to know these people and study them inside and out. And this is one of the common traits he found is the most successful people. They make decisions quickly. They change them slowly and they, they go with their gut. It's like, Mothers know when their child is sick. You don't always have the words to explain, but that initial thing, you know, when your kid's not feeling good, you know, when you need to, um, you know, when something's not right with your child, you also know when they might be playing a trick on you. You may not always know why (laughs) or identify that. Um, It's like the first time my child hurt himself, he fell or wiped out. And my husband remembers, he remembers this moment. He tells me all the time. I didn't see it. But he's like, he started bawling his face off, laid down on the ground. He looked up to see if I was reacting. I didn't. And then he's like, okay, I'm fine now. And he's looking for that response. He was looking for that sympathy, but he wasn't actually hurt. He didn't get it. So he learned that that was not something he was going to get. Right, right. Uh, So powerful, definitely. And I love the example of, yes, seeing that in kids for sure. They can be, you know, reactive, but they can also be, I don't want to say manipulative, but (laughs) it can happen, right? And then with our kids too, how can we, you know, we're not going to be the ones to program them, but how can we ensure that their programming isn't swayed in a negative direction or way from the outside world, from TV, teachers, ourselves even? I know that's probably a loaded question, but how can we curate an environment that helps them foster their own programming and dreams? Well, I think that's a great question because we can't we can't protect them from everything and we shouldn't. It's not our job to do that. It's our job to, to pave the best path we possibly can. And it's not our job to be perfect either. However, if we as parents are cognizant of um, the thing, the words we say and how we say them, the unconscious mind going back to the information. And this is something that um, our, our clients love. We, we do a lot of work with language. And so one example is the unconscious mind can't process the negative. It's a prime directive of the unconscious mind. So knowing that stop telling your kids to not do things. Don't do this. Don't do that. I don't want you to do this. You can't do this, right? You like, don't leave your clothes on the floor. Well, their mind here is clothes on the floor. Leave your clothes on the floor. 
Don't hit your brother. Your unconscious mind hears hit your brother. And so start telling them what you want them to do. Just be highly directive. Mm-hmm. It, it might sound a little bossy at first. Pick your clothes up and put them away. <laughs> right? Keep your hands to yourself and be kind. So really being cognizant of what comes out of our mouth. And that's one really beautiful, simple example that I think all parents could be more aware of. Because once you're aware of this, you'll be like, oh, earmuffs. Um, With some of the things that we say, you'll catch yourself more often. And then you'll hear other parents saying it. And you're like, please stop saying this because you're aware of this. But the unconscious mind doesn't process the negative. So say it how you want it especially when communicating. Another thing with kids is walk your talk. If you want to set an example of something, don't say something to them and act a different way because they are watching you. Right. And we may think, well, we'll say it, we'll say it a certain way and we'll do it a certain way in front of them. But then when they go to bed, we'll do this different. Don't think that that isn't translated because kids, like, especially babies, like, Kids can feel your energy. Kids know when things are good. Kids know when things are not. And this is a beautiful thing because everything in the world is energy. And kids have this ability to sense where parental energy is. If your energy is in a chaotic state, their energy will be in a chaotic state. However, they may not have the words to express it. So they might, they might act out. They might get rebellious. They might start seeking different attention. So whenever something is not working in a parent's world, the kids will often express it. And sometimes this can lead to like, oh, why are you misbehaving? Well, they're, they're just reflecting something that you're projecting. They're, they're often a mirror of what's going on inside you. So instead of being upset, yes, teach the children the best way to do it. Also take a look at where it might be coming from. Is it coming from something that you've put out? Our kids have kids had to hold all their emotions in throughout the day at school. And then they finally need to let their emotions out after school. Mm -hmm. I can see that. Yeah. I can see that that happening. Yeah. So really if everything is energy and energy is always vibrating, there's something called the perpetual transmutation of energy. And that means energy is always changing form. You can't stop energy. Things are always moving from one form to another. So it might be moving from your mental form into a physical form in through, through certain actions or behaviors, but that thought seed that you planted actually does get physically translated perhaps through your child, perhaps through you. So you also want to be mindful of the thoughts you are thinking because those are energy and those will ultimately get translated through your children. What are you expecting of your children? Are you expecting them to behave and to be kind and wonderful individuals who, I mean, and they're kids, so they will be silly and do things differently than you might expect, but what are your ultimate expectations of them? Right. Right. So really zoning or honing in on that and, you know, looking at, yeah, is this worth, you know, picking on my kid for what do I ultimately want out of the situation? Um, and really focusing on that. And I really, yeah, using the don't do stop. No, you know, that's really good to turn it on its head and focus on, okay. Instead of like, don't stop getting dressed. We need to go. It's like, okay, can you put on your shoes? Can you put on your, or like, just put on your shoes, put on your hat. It sounds like be even more directive as you were saying. 
Yeah. The more, the more simple and the more directive, the better, because you might sound like a broken record, but they, that's what they will actually hear. Right. (laughs) That's so powerful. I love it. Um, And then with kids, like I see with Stuart, he's pretty decisive. Like he seems to know what he wants and what he doesn't want, but are there other tools to foster their tapping into their gut and their intuition? Although sometimes his decisions I think are made based on the opposite of what I don't want to say what I want him to do, but (laughs) what would be ideal because he's just rebelling, right? So how do we foster good decision-making in our kids? Well, and I think, like you said, kids, kids get into this, this point, right? When they're, when they're younger, we think the terrible twos are the kids acting out. The terrible twos are children expressing their independence. They're just trying to find their own voice in the world and they don't have the language yet. So they're going to kick and scream and bang their feet on the floor and throw things and, you know, do what toddlers do. And we actually, my, my son started acting out. He was pretty good at two and he started really acting out at three. And so we met with a child development specialist and she was explaining that if they don't act out at two, they generally do at three or four uh, because they need to get that out of their system. Mm-hmm. And so I think for us, understanding that was really, really helpful because we started to appreciate where he was coming from. And when we could identify, oh, okay, this isn't him just freaking out. This is him, one, not having the words. So you can you can ask a different question. You can not tolerate certain behaviors. And so often when, when kids do act out or when they do rebel, they're just looking for some more structure and some more rules and authority, especially at a young age. And, and even as they do get older, they, we, we thrive, we are creatures of habit and we need structure around us in order to keep us safe in order to keep us protected. And so you as a parent being decisive on, on what the boundaries are that you have, it's no, it's not okay to, to hit someone, we, we must be kind to people. And this is how we show kindness and respect. And so making sure to have certain ways of disciplining them and showing them what is what, right. What's, what's not appropriate. We started using like the timeout chair and he does not like that. This is from, Oh, what's this? Is it super nanny? She's got some great tutorial videos online, but um, so I'm not the expert in this, but at least <laughs> I'm using this. This was a really great example and, and great way for us to balance the authority that we needed to have and instill rules in him and, and in our household. And he would kick and scream and fight at the beginning. However, by the time he was done that time out, he'd always calmed down. He understood why he was there. And, and we, we had actually discussed what a better choice would be. So next time, instead of doing this, what could you do? And so he has better options. And then that behavior doesn't continue as often. We generally have a two to three time convincer in order to establish and create boundaries. So when we create our boundaries, we might have to hold them two to three times before a person is convinced. So if your children act out, you may actually have to two to three times go through the disciplinary process before they understand that this is the new way of doing it. This is our standard and this is how we do it in our household. And I think it's important for them to understand why, because then they'll have a good reason to respect it. 
Mm-hmm. I love that. So being consistent, right? Setting those boundaries and then explaining and why and turning it into a learning opportunity, not like don't just don't do that. It's like, well, next time, why don't we think about doing this? And, you know, whatever wording you want to say, but I like, you know, educating them on what would have been a better outcome or better way to handle the situation. Yeah. Boundaries are very, very key, like to maintaining the structure in your own life with your, with your relationships, with your friends, with your parents, with your spouse and with kids. And this is something that we've really started doing a lot of work with this past year, because I mean, I had one session with boundaries with my clients and I just, that week, they just kept sending me emails and messages and they're like, oh my gosh, like we're just, this is so powerful. It was such a game changer for them to really think about that. And, and these are the standards we uphold. Mm-hmm. And when we, when we look at the lives that we want to live, when we look at the beautiful lives that we want to live, a beautiful life is a series of beautiful moments strung together to make beautiful days, strung together to make beautiful weeks beautiful months, beautiful years, and a beautiful life. That's, that's what it is. And we create these beautiful moments by having standards that we set for ourselves. It doesn't mean going into perfectionist mode. It doesn't mean always having to do things the right way or the wrong way, right? Like doesn't, doesn't mean you always have to do things 150%. However, it does mean I know what I stand for. I know in my heart what I believe in. I know what's right. And this is what I'm going to do. I am going to choose to put myself first every day. I I recently just started working with um, a high level executive and she's got a very high stress job. However, she loves it. She, she, She loves working, yet she feels depleted at the end of the day because she doesn't have time for herself. And something as simple as, putting herself first once a day mm-hmm. over the so many women week, don't do that. It was, yeah. it was such a game changer. And for her, she couldn't have too many rules around that, but for her, the rule was I'm going to do work. I'm going to do something for myself once a day. That might be setting appointments that I've been avoiding. That might be going for a massage. That might be going for a walk. That might be meditating. That might be working out. And because she's got such an intense job or a position. It's not like she's got a lot of extra time on her hands, but doing one thing a day, very consciously, very in a very cognizant way has been such a game changer for her. And it's completely shifted things. It's opening up opportunities. It's getting her out of fight or flight mode more and more of the time, which is often what we're in as parents. We're we're working in the sympathetic nervous system as parents because we're reacting, 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 running, running, chauffeuring, doing this, doing that, not even stopping to think because it is busy. Yeah. I love that being intentional about it too. Cause a lot of times the default is okay. The kids are in bed and my time for myself now is watching TV, staying up late, maybe having a bit too much wine or chocolate, which, you know, is fine sometimes, but is that really going to nurture you in the long term? Right. So that can be, you know, a quick and easy go-to in a bind, but are you really carving out that specific activity? That's really going to fill your cup, something you really need, right? Is it, I need to talk to a girlfriend. I need to get some fresh air or move my body. You know, what does that look like? That's going to give you way more return on your investment. Absolutely. 
Right. Well, we've covered so many valuable tips for people. I know you have so many different tools. So can you just tell people a little bit about the tools you offer to help people, you know, stop the self-sabotage to raise their vibration, to live a beautiful life. I know you're trained in so many tools. Do you want to share a little bit about that? Oh my goodness. Where do I start? start? So we, we have a a variety of things that we, we do with our clients. We, we work both one-on-one and in group settings and um, we, we work with people at all, all phases of life. So I think ultimately we, we really love focusing on quick actionable tools that you can take away in your day to day. And this is something that we share in some of our free workshops, in our group programs, and in our, we have like one and two day and and three day workshops that we offer over the weekends. And so we we do have a menu of tools that involve like breathing techniques, self-hypnosis, journaling, movement, energy work, um, those are those are things that you can do just at the drop of a hat to really move you forward. And so on later this month, we actually have a self-hypnosis workshop. It's called Hypnotize Yourself to Success. And I'm sure some people in your listening audience have done affirmations before. And um, this is a beautiful workshop because we, we actually teach you a way where you can get into a state of intense, intense focus to give yourself suggestions that you and your unconscious mind actually believe to reduce stress, to be more calm, to be more focused, to be more productive, to um, increase your healing capacity. So, so many options and to live in a healthy and vibrant state. So these are all things that we, we cover in this self-hypnosis workshop. And so we run it every three months or so. And so it's a one day workshop, but we, we really look at the words you say. So we were talking about the language that we use. And so this, these are the words you say to yourself, all of these principles can be applied to your kids as well. So that's, that's one resource that we do have. We also run um, free workshops for the public uh, periodically every couple of months. And so the, the lengths vary, but if you tap into our community, then, then we definitely announce those. We'll be running something in December. We're just finalizing it right now. And, and again, in the new year. And then we also, uh, one other thing that I found really, really valuable, especially for parents is breakthrough sessions that we do one-on-one with clients. And this is what we call our emotional cleanup. And, uh, it's, it's you getting to know you better than anyone else before. Um, and, and really taking the time to clear out those negative emotions of anger, sadness, fear, hurt, guilt, rage, shame, anything that you've got, that's weighing down your emotional backpack that you might be carrying around. And we, we literally go in, clear out the baggage within a month. It's actually a quick process. And then we, we continue working together for two more months Um, through this emotional cleanup so that you can free yourself to step into your new you, step into your new year with the best possible energy, with the best possible um, mindset that you absolutely can. Because so often it's that programming. So we help you rewire that mental programming that you've got. So those those are some resources that we have. I'm going to also send you or I will pass along a gratitude guide that we have and that I've put together. Gratitude is something that has 
I guess, relatively recently come into my life. And, and this is one way to raise your emotional frequency. It's also a beautiful thing to do with your kids. So we talked about vision boarding. We hadn't talked about gratitude, but this is a beautiful, beautiful thing that you can do with your kids. I started doing gratitude with my son when he was a year old. And um, this is how he learned how to write words. We would actually write our gratitude lists every day together. This is how we learned how to say things that he was grateful for. We would pray every night and we would say thank you to, um, to God for all the people and all the things that he was happy for. And so this is one way we actually work to increase his vocabulary and also bring that emotional frequency up for him. So I do have a gratitude guide that I will pass along to you that you can send to your viewers. And that's a free download. And it's got a menu of exercises that you can, that you can choose that, that can and will transform your life if you let them. Such valuable tools. I think, you know, we spend so much time cleaning our houses, cleaning our fridge out, but when do you do an emotional cleanup, which is probably, well, which is I'm sure the most important cleanup you'll do. So really um, consider uh, checking in with Larissa, booking one of those sessions. We'll definitely share the gratitude guide. That is so powerful. We do the rose and thorn activity with Stuart at dinner every night. You know, what was great about your day? What was, you know, a little bit of a challenge? We haven't gotten him to write things down yet. And he's getting at the age where he's getting really good at printing. So I think we'll incorporate that too. And then I love all the programs you offer. So we'll, we'll link to your hypnosis session. I've had so many patients say that hypnosis has been a game changer for them. It's helped them cope through the pandemic, through illnesses in their family, um, you know, working through negative mindset to still, you know, survive and thrive even during challenging times. So such a, such valuable tools that you offer and you definitely um, walk the talk, Larissa, and you're always so inspiring to hear speak. So uh, go check her out on Instagram and Facebook. How do people find you online? Oh, how do people find me online? Well, you can search me on, like you said, Instagram and Facebook. I'm going to, I'll send you the links. We're actually, um, we've shifted over to Abundance Academy. Let me just check this out. Yeah, no worries. And we can link to the the accounts as well on our show notes and our website. This today. So I just want to make sure I'm giving you the right one. Yeah, no worries. I'm going to, I'm going to, oh, it's my abundance Academy at my abundance Academy Great um, on Instagram. And then on Facebook, we actually have a private Facebook group where we put out a lot of resources and that is unleash your abundance. So unleash your abundance on Facebook. And I will send you the gratitude guide and the details for the self-hypnosis workshop. So this is an opportunity for you to learn how to do the process of hypnosis on yourself. So other people aren't going to be doing anything to you. It's a, it's a, you do it with yourself process. And it's, it's just absolutely beautiful. And if anyone does want to have a conversation, I'll also send you a link to my calendar. So you, I I'll offer a, a free consultation or a free conversation, just if, if you have any questions about anything, no pressure, no obligations, I'm, I'm happy to have a conversation and just see if there's something that we can do that can help you or if there's someone that we can also refer with anything that you've got going on in your life. Amazing. Well, thanks for um, sharing all of that. We'll put everything in the notes and now we'll move to the next part of the podcast if you're ready. Yes. So I can go first or you can if you want, but we'll share first our super mom moment. Did you oh. want to go first or do you want yeah, me to? This, this is a good one. This, okay. Great. This is, I was so proud. This actually happened this morning. Um, so my son woke up this morning 
And he sat, I, I like to sit him on the kitchen counter while I make food and tidy up because then we can just have a conversation. And so he was sitting there and I had all his Halloween candy in a bowl because he yesterday he's he asked me to save it for him and not eat it all. He's like, don't eat all my candy, okay? I want you to save it for tomorrow. I said, okay. And so he got up and he immediately said, mom, they gave way too much candy. I think we need to, we let's keep five pieces and we'll give the rest away. Wow. And so I was like, Thank you. Thank you. This is quite awesome. <laughs> so he, he put five small pieces. He, he's like, no, not the big bags. They don't fit in this little bag. So let's just take these five and we'll give the rest away. Because candy is, it doesn't make my tummy feel good. I, I don't need a lot of candy. It's not good for you. It's got sugar. So I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Amazing. So he made that decision himself with some of the seeds, I guess you planted along Many the way. Seeds planted, but he said that himself. Wow. Just like wow, thank you. So. I need to talk to you about planting those seeds because Stuart is—he has so much candy. Normally we do the switch witch, but we kind of forgot this year, so the switch witch might come tonight if he wants to give up some candy for a toy. <laughs> We'll see. It's worked other years, but I don't know. We'll see if it happens this year, but that's definitely a super mom moment. So thank you for sharing. Um, and my super mom moment is that we're starting to teach Stuart about money and about you know, working too. So we're giving him an allowance, just $2 a week. And, you know, it, that's if he helps during the week with different chores. Like if he sweeps up under his spot at the table after he eats, he helps to unload part of the dishwasher or put some of the groceries away. Um, and actually was it yesterday or the day before he started to put things away on his own and clean up on his own without us prompting him. Cause this is something we just started. So we had to remind him every day in the beginning because it wasn't part of his routine, but so, yeah, I think that's a super my moment. <laughs> Maybe it's a bribe, but you know, it's also a lesson in money. I love it. I love it. So proud of you for that. <laughs> Thanks. And I know you're doing an amazing job, Larissa, but can you think about a mess up, a mama mess up? Oh yes. Recently, again, this was yesterday. This is all tied together. Yes. <laughs> um, so yesterday I, I mean, we're pretty cognizant of how we feed our son and the foods we give him, and the times we feed him and, and mindfully eating. And yesterday just was not one of those structured days. And so, um, my husband had him in the morning and forgot to feed him while I was in a meeting. And then we took our breakfast on the road and he ate it in the car. And then he ate it during an appointment. And then he finished it while we were running around outside. And then, Oh, there's an ice cream shop across the street. So after his eggs, we added ice cream and, um, he had a couple sour keys and then we added some almond milk to the mix and some green juice. To, it was just like while driving, while running, like, so big, big, big mix up. And so he, he threw up all over himself coming home in the car. and I was just like, oh, this was totally my fault and I will make better choices. And he's like, I don't really like how I feel. So, um, so it was, I, I took responsibility and realized I think we should be more mindful of how we how we feed him and that kind of thing has not happened in a very long time. So. No, it happens, right? It so and he, yeah, recognized how he felt and he'll be more intentional about how he eats too. So, you know, in the end, it's a it's a learning experience. And mine kind of goes similar to that with the uh, mama mess up. So Stuart has a hard time sitting down eating dinner. And I realized 
I probably know where that's coming from. Cause as the mom, I'm up and down and up and down. <laughs> and I'm not like sitting through the whole dinner. My husband's really good. I'm focusing on eating slower. You know, it's a work in progress, uh, but he chews really slowly and takes his time and savors every bite. But I'm kind of like up and down getting stewards, you know, fruit after dinner and putting some things away. So I really just have to like sit down and enjoy mealtime and not just think about everything else I have to do after and want to get a head start on it. So that's my mama mess up. He's mirroring my not sitting in one spot. <laughs> and then Larissa, what's your mama must have? What's something you're really enjoying or can't live without right now? Uh, I would say, especially the last few weeks, um, the last month has been very, very intense for us just because we've had so many different events and so many changes within our company. It, it's it's the quick tools for transformation. And there, I mean, we have a lot of really powerful things, but I would say it's like the simple things that you do day to day. It's like taking three breaths before I sit down and open my computer. It's um, taking a little stretch, circling my arms. If I'm feeling tight in my shoulders, it's pulling out a journal and rewriting some negative thoughts immediately. If if something's not jiving or going for a walk around the block, even if I only have five minutes between calls, going for a quick walk once around the block. So um, doing energy work, things like that. I would say it's the little quick, quick fixes that have really kept me going and in, in excellent spirits because too. And it's just- oh, you just cut out there. Yeah. If you could just start. Yeah. The little, you said, um, like the little thing in excellent spirits. If you could just start there again. Yeah. Oh, where was I? can you hear me yet? Yeah. I'm, I'm thinking, okay. Uh, see, it's the little things that you do that keep you in excellent spirits and really bring more meaning to your life. Even when things may be more busy than normal, even when it may not be um, you may not have the time you think you do. You can do something. And I think that's just very empowering for me right now is knowing I can do something, even if it's not like my ideal wish list every single day. What that's can so I do is, is keeping me going. What can I do in these quick tools? That's so powerful, right? Just changing your state and it can take a few minutes. You don't have to ride the current state if you don't love it. So that short walk, that even the three deep breaths, I love it. A great reminder, even yeah, just moving your shoulders or rotating your neck when you're feeling tight. We don't, we don't do those things a lot of the time. So thanks for sharing. Um, and my must have right now, I pulled out our, my light box. So it's a 10,000 Lux light box. So when I'm getting ready in the morning, it's still pitch black outside. So I plug it in as I'm blow drying my hair or putting my makeup on. So at least I get that um, white light, broad light exposure. So that I feel really helps to boost my mood and energy. And I do have to get outside at least once every day for a walk. And I've been walking a lot more lately, just fitting it in, even trying to make certain meetings over the phone and walk while we chat because I just can't stay inside all day. And then my energy becomes really stagnant and I get restless, but definitely my must have is the light box. Love it. Uh, thanks. Um, but thank you so much, Larissa, for coming on again. We'll link to episode 51 because that's another great listen to get into a positive mindset. And we touch a little bit on gratitude there. Um, but thank you everybody for joining us today. You can email us or connect with us on Facebook and Instagram. We'd love you to subscribe, leave us a review and a five-star rating if you enjoyed this episode. And please tell your perimenopausal mama friends about us too. Stay safe and healthy, everybody. 
everybody. Until next time. Thanks again, Larissa. Thank you, Lisa. My pleasure. Bye.